Hello, and welcome to the Homeschool Sanity Show, your prescription for happier, healthier homeschooling. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschooling mother of six. Let's get started. Hey, homeschoolers. Do you have too much clutter? Too many craft supplies? Too much stuff for science? Whatever you have too much of, I have help for you. My guest for this episode is Dana K. White, the woman behind A Slob Comes Clean. She's an author, speaker, podcaster, YouTuber, and much to her own surprise, a decluttering expert. She's written three books, Organizing for the Rest of Us, Decluttering at the Speed of Life, and How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind. A Slob Comes Clean is the completely honest and never-ending story of her personal deslobification process. As she finds ways to keep her home under control, she shares the truth about cleaning, organizing, and decluttering strategies that actually work in real life for real people. I was thrilled when Dana agreed to come on the show. You are going to love the advice she gives us for dealing with clutter. Dana, thank you so much for joining me here on the Homeschool Sanity Show. I am excited to talk about our topic today. It's personally relevant for me. But before we do that, I would love to have you tell us more about you and your family. So thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I have three teenagers. Well, I can't say that anymore. One of them just turned 20. So I have one who's 20, one who's 18, and a daughter who is about to be 16 next month. Fantastic. And tell us more about you personally and what you do and your background. So I always wanted to be a writer. Well, technically I wanted to do something creative. That's really how you would describe it. So I was a theater arts teacher before I had kids and stayed home. And um, so as a stay at home mom, I was always looking for a creative outlet, which was my kids, you know, but Mm -hmm you know what I mean? When you have this drive where I want to do something creative. And so I'd always thought writing that was something I'd enjoyed. And I thought, okay, that that's what I'm going to try to make happen at some point. Um, cause I felt like I could work that around, you know, focusing on my kids. So, um, I found out about blogs in 2008 and I realized, Oh, people are writing, people are reading it. People are turning this into an actual career. And I was like, I want to do that. I mean, I was super driven and captured by this idea of blogging. Um, but I didn't start for a year and a half because I was like, I got to get my house under control first. Like I can't, (laughs) I, I can't write. I mean, I can't throw myself into yet another project when I still have not solved this issue that I'd had my entire life. Like I had been the messy child with the crazy, messy bedroom. I was the teenager who I opened up my locker at school and everything fell out. I mean, like who knows what was in the bottom of my backpack that smelled funny, you know, whatever. So I was that person. And I was like, I had always thought that once I was a stay at home mom, it would be easy because that would be my focus. Right. And instead, um, it just got worse, you know? And so I, I was like, I got to get this figured out. I cannot take on this thing that I really, really want to do that. I knew God had placed in my heart as a desire to 
to use for him. And yet I was trying to get my house under control. I still couldn't do it. So ultimately it was the short version is that it was a compromise. Like this was going to be my, uh, I, I started a blog called a slob comes clean. I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. I made up a fake name. I, because this was my shameful secret. And I was like, I am going to write about this while I get my house under control. That'll take me a couple months. Right. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I will start writing about things. I actually feel competent, you know, to, to write about. So the joke was on me and here I am in 2022. <laughs> and this is what I write about for a living. And if you would have told me, especially if you would have told my mother, that this would be the thing that I would write about. I would be like, I would have laughed and laughed and, or cried. I mean, one or the other, but like, this is literally the one thing I would never, ever, ever have chosen to write about. And instead, um, it, you know, I mean, it's a long story. There's so much to it, but the ultimate thing that it comes down to is that I realized I'm not alone. There are a lot of women. I thought I was, I thought I was the only one who was bewildered by my home. And yet there are a lot of people out there like me and, um, people, it, it took me a long time to accept that I could actually share something of value about this with people, but ultimately people need to hear from someone who actually understands this is a legitimate struggle and not just, it's not a motivation problem. It literally, and that's where I see kind of the tipping point between what I do and what a lot of people who talk about this stuff do is for someone who is completely overwhelmed their house is a total pigsty, which is what, what mine was. Um, I've never seen a pigsty. What is a pigsty? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> it's a phrase and we all know what I, you know, picture it. That was what my house looks like. Right. So that, that tipping point is between like the people who think it's just a motivation problem and the people like me who know that it's not motivation. That's not the issue we have tried. And I, I, I will say it. I think I cleaned a lot more. I worked a lot more on my house than other people whose homes looked great. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't doing the right thing. I wasn't doing it in the right order. I didn't understand which things mattered the most. And so that was, you know, it is not an issue of laziness. It can end up being an issue when you get so overwhelmed that you're paralyzed and you can't move forward. But I don't believe in most cases that it's an issue of laziness. Anyway, I'm starting to preach and I need to stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> cause you just well. asked me about my history and I started <laughs> off on this. My mother sometimes will listen to these podcasts. She's like, wow, she just really let you talk. And I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I just love it. And I can so relate to you. And I know so many of my listeners are going to be able to relate to you too. So we don't mind. We don't mind at all. We, we love hearing the backstory to this. But you started to go into a place where I wanted to take you anyway, which is okay. to talk to us about the mindset that we need to adopt. At the beginning of your book, Decluttering at the Speed of Life, you talk about the fact that we have to change our mindset around our stuff before we can just start decluttering rooms. Can you tell us more about what you mean by that? So I, because I had always been unsuccessful in my home and yet I was generally very successful on things outside the home. Like I'm a driven person. I get things done. Um, I, I would try to apply the way that I did things like the way I tackled projects 
to my home and that always backfired. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm like, okay, let me look at this room and let me make this huge plan of how it's going to look in the end. And then let me, then let me figure out how to get from where I am now to them. Well, first of all, I would sit down and make the plan and that would use up all of this energy that I had to make a change in my home. And yet nothing would happen in my home because I had been just planning. Right. So instead, because I was at such a rock bottom place where I was like, I don't get this. And I finally admitted, I really don't get this. I can't, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. It, I started so small. And so like the, the number one thing that changed my home was to realize that organizing and decluttering are not the same thing, but we often tend to think that they're the same thing. And so we sit down and make the plan, right? We try to solve all the problems before we even get started, which puts us off getting started, which means things get worse, which means it gets overwhelming, which means you think you have to change the plan. Like, so all of that didn't actually take me anywhere. I thought I was giving up by saying, I'm just going to declutter. Like that's how far gone I am. I'm just going to declutter. Well, what happened was just decluttering achieved all of the things I had thought I would get through organizing, but I never actually got the organizing done and just getting the excess out of my house. I was like, Oh, I can find things now. I can get two things now. I know what I have, like, that's what I wanted, right? My house looked better. It felt better. I was able to maintain it better. So that, and then through that, as I realized that I made my goals, instead of I'm going to have a perfect house. I was like, I'm going to have less hmm. and I'm going to have, hmm. I'm going to make this space better. And when your goal is better, you can literally do one tiny thing and you have achieved your goal. Right. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's huge where before it's like, I would have a goal of having this perfect house, like a magazine. And I was like, I cannot get there. I've worked all day. It hardly looks any better. What, in the, you know, but better I can do. And so like mm -hmm. those mindset shifts actually made the real change in my home where all these big lofty finishing goals had actually never made any progress. So it was counterintuitive to what I had thought. Wow. That. That really makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and, you know, that it's not just when you were talking about you, you made the plan and you used up all the energy that you had, the psychological research says that sometimes even making a list or putting on the calendar that we're going to do something at a certain time, it just gives us a sense of relief. It's, a, it's almost as if it's already done. <laughs> And then we just can, can move on. You know? Except when it's not done. Then, yeah. <laughs> then it's like, right. I felt good about that. And then I turned around and it looked as bad as it did before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, that that's just excellent. So I'm going to talk about a little personal connection to you here because a friend of mine told me about a video you had done on the container concept and that was after i had told her this is revolutionary i just installed these new closet organizers in my master bedroom closet because my former closet which just had a single bar i kept trying to add even more clothes to it by using these these hangers that could hold up to 12 different yes, items, yes. you know, and drop them down. <laughs> and the weight was so immense on that bar that the bar kept pulling away from the wall. And my husband would have to, who is not 
any kind of carpenter whatsoever would have to come up with some kind of a solution to get that bar to stay connected to the wall. And I told her, I now have these beautiful closet organizers and they are sturdy, but I can't let them get overloaded again. I mean, you right, know, right. I could be the first person that could make these things collapse. <laughs> so, If anybody so, can, I can, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so I had this idea that I could look at the number of inches of hanging space in these organizers and find out how much space on average do hanging items take in your closet. I had never thought to look that up before. And I did, and then I realized, wow, I now know how many items can fit in my closet without being just jammed in there so that you take one item out and five more come with it, you know? And it was just, it was revolutionary to me. So she said, you have to watch this video that Dana made on the container concept. And I was, I was honestly in awe. It's like, this woman thinks like me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry you think like me. I didn't. (laughs) I know what you meant. (laughs) Well, of course, I'm going to put a link to that amazing video in the show notes for people to watch. You're going to love it. But can you explain the container concept for us? So I first have to say that I didn't know what containers were for, but I would have been really offended if somebody told me I didn't know what containers were for, because (laughs) I was like, I am not an idiot. Hello. They're for putting things in. Like that was what I thought they were for, which is what most people think they're for. Um, I just knew organized people loved containers and I would go buy containers and I would try to put them in my house and my spaces looked nothing like the homes of the people who I was trying to imitate. So, um, I had a moment one day as I was talking to myself, cause that's what I do. And I was decluttering and I was saying the word container. And it just hit me that the root of that word is contain like, and I went, Oh, it's purpose is to contain its purpose is not to hold stuff. It's to contain stuff. Like firefighters contain a fire. Like that was the image that came to me, right? They create a boundary. And as long as they can keep the fire inside the boundary, they can keep it under control. But if it goes outside that boundary, bad things happen. Right. And I was like, Oh, a container is meant to serve as a limit. It's a meant, it's meant to be a boundary. And when I realized that I was like, Oh, okay. Because here's the thing. I am attached to everything. I see the value in everything. So, you know, thought processes like, does this have value? Might I ever use it? Do I love it? I'm like, of course I do. Why would I have it in my, you know, and I could say that about stuff that other people would think was trash. You know, and that was part of my problem is I didn't see limits. It's a lovely quality that I have is that I don't see limits. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of situations, but it was not serving my home well. Right. And so I would just bring stuff into my house because of all the possibilities that it had. And then it would end up in piles and then I wouldn't know where anything was. And I was overwhelmed in my house. So anyway, I realized that a container is meant to serve as a limit. And then I realized, okay, well, if I put my favorite things in first, then once it's full, everything else has to go. So, because I used to like fill up a bucket and then I still had a bunch of stuff left and I would go buy more buckets. Right. And I would have all these buckets and then I would go to put them on the shelf. 
and they wouldn't fit on the shelf. And I would think, Oh my word, why does this not work for me? You know, like it seems to work for everybody else, but never works for me. So I got to buy new shelves, you know? So I buy more shelves and then eventually I couldn't fit any more shelves. And I would think, well, I need a new house. And so I thought that my problem was that my house was too small, even though my friend whose house looked great because she had these pretty red buckets with her crayons in them, her house was way smaller than mine. And so, but I thought the issue was that I didn't have enough space. And so when I realized, okay, the container is a limit, let it decide, it decides how much can stay. And when I started treating things in that way, it just freed me from all those value decisions, which were the things that were keeping me from making progress because I didn't have to stare at every item. I just had to put my favorite things in first, whatever didn't fit had to go. And then if I found something that I loved, all I had to do was say, okay, then what am I willing to take out of this space in order to make room for this thing that I know I love? And when I do it that way, it just takes the emotions out of it. It -hmm. takes all the decisions out of it. And I just let the container make the decision for me. And then I realized the shelf that wouldn't fit those buckets, that's a container too. Every drawer is a container. Every closet is a container, every cabinet, everything. And so I just let my house start making those tough decisions for me. And that's when I really changed my hope and my house didn't feel too small anymore. Wow. I, I really, it's so simple. I, you know, I have a PhD. I don't know why that never occurred to me. (laughs) I always tell people, I'm like, it's not like I am coming up with all that. I am just explaining things that organized people don't even know that they know. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. I'm just explaining reality. That's it. Oh gosh. It's, it's so, it it really is just revolutionary. You know, that's why I was so excited when I was sharing with my friend about, you know, what I had learned about my closet. And then when, um, another friend kind of joined the conversation and, and she had watched your container video as well. Um, and, we were all just excited and we were using it with our kids. So I I just can't thank you enough for sharing that. Um, And in the way that you did with so much humor and um, compassion because you've been there too. Well, we not only don't have to focus on what sparks joy, you know, because you were mentioning how it's not, it's not about what the value of the items is it's about does it fit into the container but i also noticed from listening to your book decluttering at the speed of life that you do your decluttering stints in a much different way than a lot of other um i guess organizing gurus decluttering gurus would have us do can you explain to us why you don't have us pull everything out of the space before we declutter and organize Yeah. So like you said, that's what most will tell you to do because it feels like that is the way to embrace this as a project, right? Like it feels like that's the logical thing to do. And that would be the most efficient thing. Um, the problem was that because that's what everybody said to do, that's what I used to try to do. And it always ended up in disaster. You know, I mean, like I would pull everything out of a space and I would look at that clear space and go, Oh, it looks so nice, empty, but I would turn around. And now the things that kind of, I knew where they were in that space. Now they're like 
piled behind me and I would be overwhelmed and shut down. Um, or just the reality of, um, life. I, I mean, like when you have kids, when or it just, whatever, I'm more distractible than everybody anyway, you know? So, uh, I would get distracted in the middle of a project. I wouldn't be able to finish it. And then I'd made this space worse than it was before <laughs> with all the stuff pulled out or in a box or whatever. And I would step away and then it, it just, it caused more problems than it, it solved, you know, and for me, every time that happened, I was less motivated to get started the next time, because I would think I have got to set aside, you know, last time I set aside a whole day and then I mm. got distracted. And so what I need to do is make sure I have a whole weekend with guaranteed no distractions. Well, when is that going to happen? Right. <laughs> and while I'm putting it off, it's getting worse and more overwhelming, which makes me think I need anyway. So I couldn't do it that way because my whole house was, was a disaster. And so as I went, I realized I make more progress, more actual real progress. When I go one item at a time, final decision by final decision. Okay. So I never pull everything out of the space. I start with the trash and I just pull that out, put it straight in the trash bag. So that like is its final destination, the trash bag. Right. Okay. And the space is better because remember that was our goal before. So the space is better and I've gotten started. And that's such a huge part of it, right? Is how to get started on these overwhelming spaces. And then I just move through my process, which is taking the stuff that already has established homes to its home, you know, at one item at a time. Now I, I may grab something that needs to go to the kitchen and look and see what else can go to the kitchen, but I only take what I can hold in my hands. I don't put it in a second location, like a box or a pile or anything like that, because that's where... I get distracted. And then those things are just their own decluttering projects for the future. Right. So I do that. And then I just work through the process, taking things to their final home, whether it's the trash bag, the donation box, or, um, it's final home in my house, um, through the process, because when I do it that way, when I get distracted, when life happens, when I run out of energy, whatever I have made progress period, mm -hmm. because there's nothing that I have put off for later, even like a small pile of six things. And because I've made progress in any time I have, then I can say, I've got five minutes between this and this, I can start throwing away trash in this space and having that mentality that I can go ahead and work on a space, not knowing how much time I'm going to be able to spend on it. That got me actually working on my house, starting on things and that's ultimately what changed my house where all those big plans of, Oh no, I got to wait till I have a lot of time. I wasn't actually making an improvement in my house. Mm. Yeah. Well, that, that is exactly what I discovered personally that, uh, and this is what I talked to homeschoolers about that. We tend to think of organizing as an event, uh, you know, this summer I'll have yes. two weeks to, <laughs> to organize everything. Well, of course that never happens. And even if it does, it, it isn't something that we're going to be able to maintain if we think of organizing as an event. And we're not going to get into, you know, how you maintain it because you have a very simple strategy for that. But what I would like to do right now is jump in to homeschool-specific clutter issues. And I can, I can speak to this for sure. <laughs> and I know I'm not alone. So one of the things that we have too much of 
is school supplies. I know for me, I have six kids and I had uh, years where other families would bring their kids in and I would help teach and they would help teach. And so I had to have school supplies. But I think probably the biggest issue was every August they would say, okay, it's back to school. You have to buy school supplies. And I wouldn't even bother looking to see that I had enough school supplies to probably supply the country of Uganda, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I would just buy more. And yeah. and so it it seems even though I had so much, it was difficult for me to let go of some things. Of course, I wasn't using your container concept, but can you give us some ideas or even a mindset shift that we can apply to this problem? Well, I'm going to answer this the way I, I'm going to start this answer the way I start most answers about anything with decluttering. And it all comes down to the container concept. It really does. So, so you look at your house and you go, okay, obviously we have to have room to work. We have to have room to do things. What space do I have that I can devote to school supplies? Okay. That is not taking up space that we need for other things because, right. I mean, you could say, oh, well, that's my school room. I can fill it to the top with school <laughs> supplies, but you can't, right. Because you also need your books and you also need the room for tables and, you know, places to work. So it's like, what space do I have? And it's going to be different for everybody, but everybody's better off if we acknowledge what that space is and accept what that space is, right. As opposed to wishing that ours look like someone else. So say, okay, this is the shelf or this is the drawer, or this is the cabinet, or this is the closet that I have for school supplies. And that means that that's the limit, right? And so it's like, this is the limit for school supplies. So as I gather things at the store, because it is really hard to resist 15 cent crayons boxes. Right. I mean, like, it's, it's like, how do you not buy that? Um, but when you don't see limits, you buy them, you come home, you shove them in a pile and then it just adds to the clutter. Right. And so it's like, this is my designated space. This is the limit to that space. So I bring home crayons. Oh, they don't fit. Okay. What am I willing to get rid of to put these crayons in there? Well, then that's when it just naturally reveals itself that, oh, here are these items that are actually, you know, like the, the big crayons for the younger kids. Oh, my kids are all past that stage now. Oh, we never ended up using all the ones that I had last time. Okay. I'm going to donate these, you know, like it, that kind of stuff just naturally reveals itself when you do that. And when you declutter, you say, this is my space for, um, school supplies. So I'm going to declutter to the point where they all fit in this space. And when you do that, generally your brain will go, okay, yeah, I don't need more than that. And as you do that, and as you realize that even just gathering all of the, um, you know, crayons in my house that were all scattered everywhere as I'm putting them in this designated space, when I do that and I realize they don't fit, that will that feeling of regret of, oh, wow, these things were cheap, but I just donated 16 boxes of crayons that we never even opened because we had another 20 boxes that did fit in this space. That feeling of regret of like, I can't believe I did that. Mm -hmm. It will change your reaction next August as you walk through Walmart and you see the 
things of 15 cent crayon boxes, you know, like that it's, it's a process. It's not like, Oh, here's the answer. And it's all done today. No. I mean, it's like, if, if this is an ongoing issue, it's going to be something that you're going to be working through, but ultimately it will change that because you've gotten rid of that, but you're able to get rid of it because you've accepted the reality of the container. And the fact that if I keep more than will fit in the container, there is no hope of my house being under control. Right. Right. Um, so good. And absolutely it should help us not to buy more crayons next August. Ultimately. Yeah. Or <laughs> Ultimately. Do, well, and that's the thing is if you do, you come home and you go, okay, then what am I willing to get rid of in mm-hmm. order to keep these crayons? And sometimes that will reveal, oh, wait, here's the, why did I keep an entire, um, you know, mm-hmm. thing that of like, pencil erasers that fell off of the pit, you know, whatever, (laughs) or it may make you go, okay, I just bought these. And yet there's actually nothing I'm willing to get rid of. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to donate these right. Brand new boxes of crayons that I just bought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And you know, I I'm just going to interject something in here that I, I feel pretty confident that you're going to agree with me on because it's something that I've been working on with myself. Um, One of the things I have found is that the more abusive I am to myself as I go through this process, the less I want to do it. You know, it's like if I know I'm going to open up that school supply cabinet and see I already have 10 boxes of crayons and I've collected, you know, 20 more from around the house. And if I'm just going to say, you're, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to want to do that because it's, it's like opening a door and having, you know, some, some mean girl from your past (laughs) pop out. Um, And so I have really been working on, okay, but you made, you made the decision and here's the good thing. You're improving, you're making different choices and that's fantastic. Well, and I think that that is where there's so much value in starting with the trash, because when I talk about trash, I mean, like not the stuff where you're going, Oh, was this actually trash? Is this trash? Could I No, I mean like the most obvious trash. And when you start with the trash, which is totally non-emotional, it's literally just removing the stuff, putting it in there. You see an immediate impact. The space looks better. Okay. I always Mm -hmm. tell people if you're not, if you don't believe me, take a picture work for five minutes, you know, on trash or moving through the the next steps in the five-step process and take a picture after five minutes and see, I made this huge difference. And that, that win takes care of a lot of, you know, it's like, this is better. That was my goal. I have achieved my goal. And so I need to be proud of myself because my goal is better. And I've just made this better. Mm. You know, Mm. it's funny because I feel like One thing I hear a lot from people is that one of the reasons they, they like to read my stuff and everything and and listen to my podcast and all that is that, um, they're like, I love that you don't take this stuff too seriously, you know? (laughs) And and part of that is like, I don't ever ask why in my process. Like I Mm -hmm. never ask, why do I have this? And, And that's one of the things that when I teach people to help other people as they declutter, I'm like, stay away from the word. Why? Like there is no, it is not helpful to ask, why do you have this? Why is this important to you? Because I may not be able to verbalize that, but it feels important. And now you are, um, you know, what's the word (laughs) it's Um, right now, but now you are like, (laughs) now you are like 
yes, going against me on this thing. And you're making me defend mm-hmm. why. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I know that now we are in a war and I am going to hold on to everything. Mm. And so I'm like, just avoid the word. Why? Like just do the trash instead of, instead of that. And then because you've made progress, that's when you start to like, Oh, I can do this. Right. I can mm-hmm. totally do this, mm-hmm. which is so yeah. much more helpful than saying what in the world, how did I get this way? Why don't I do this mm-hmm. sooner? Blah, blah, blah. Just enjoy yeah. the, the little bits of progress that you make because you've achieved your goal. If your goal was better. Well, I love that. And I think it's a great thing to keep in mind as we talk about the next, <laughs> the next category of stuff that we have too yeah. much of, we tend to, and that is craft and science supplies. Uh, there is a bad feeling that happens when you are ready to do a science experiment, for example, with your son or daughter, and you need a two liter bottle or you need a package of balloons. <laughs> Oh, so many packages of balloons I've purchased over the years. Um, I decluttered those not too long ago. Um, But you just, I hate that feeling, right? Or I'm doing a craft project. Oh, I don't have any pipe cleaners. Oh, no. You know, now I have to run to the store and get some pipe cleaners. And so to avoid having that feeling like I don't have what I need to do these activities I have collected a lot of craft supplies, a lot of science supplies, especially the at-home, you know, the at-home items that you use to do experiments. And then I have more kids on the way, you know, who are going to be doing these same projects. And so I have so much stuff. So I bet you're going to talk about the container concept, (laughs) but I want to hear it. Here. So let's, let's go into with this. Um, So, so here's the reality. Like I remember seeing an article because they used to be like in paper when my kids were little, remember those days Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of on the internet. Um, But I remember reading an article in, I think it was family fun magazine. And they were talking about, um, using the Capri sun boxes as like building blocks to build a fort or something like that. And I was like, that's awesome. And so guess what I started doing? I started literally throwing every Capri Sun box out in the playroom until it was just a pile of Capri Sun boxes. Right. And so, so like, I get what you're talking about. Like I do, I don't homeschool, but I totally, totally get what you're saying. Okay. This is my mentality is like, I could do something with this. I could do something with this. This would be useful someday, blah, blah, blah. Here's the problem because I did that with so many things, I never knew where anything was. I knew I had it, or I had a vague feeling that I had probably kept what I needed, but it was a mess and I couldn't find things when I needed it. And so that's a really worse feeling than going to the store and buying it. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. My two decluttering questions. My first decluttering question is if I needed this item, where would I look for it first? All right. So if I have an empty two liter bottle and I think "Hmm, there are definitely science experiments, experiments that are going to need empty two liter bottles. I have to ask myself, where would I look for it first? Okay. If I was looking for a two liter bottle, where would I look for it first? Sometimes my answer is that cabinet over there where I keep craft stuff. Well, that cabinet is a limit, right? Mm -hmm. And so I take it there to that cabinet. And I see, okay, this is the space I have for all these 
someday I might need it because that's a useful thing. That's the space that I have. It's the limit. Does this two liter bottle fit in there or not? If it doesn't, then is there something in there that I'm willing to get rid of? Which if it's a cabinet full of that kind of stuff, usually there is, it's like, oh, wait, we never ended up using these Capri Sun boxes. I'm going to get rid of those or whatever. Um, so I put it in there. That's the container concepts. Other times it's, I'm going to say, oh, actually all these things really are useful. And now that I think about it, we'll probably have a two liter bottle somewhere in the house if we ever needed it, you know, like, so that kind of thing just helps me work through that in my brain. But the other thing too, is the second decluttering question, because sometimes I will look at the two liter bottle and I'll think if I needed this, where would I look for it first? Which I go through those questions in my own mind all the time with all kinds of things. If I needed a two liter bottle empty, where would I look for it first? And my brain goes, uh, well, then I ask my second question. If I can't answer that first question, if I needed a two liter bottle, an empty two liter bottle, would it occur to me that I ever had, that I already had one? And if I couldn't answer where I would look for it first, the reality is I probably would not even have gone looking for it. Mm. I would have said, Hey kids, guess what? We're having root beer for lunch and they're going to be all <laughs> excited, right? So that we'll have a two liter bottle after lunch and we can do this project. Right. Right. Like that's probably what I would actually do, which means if I have been keeping all of those two liter bottles and that I would still say, we're going to have root beer for lunch and we're going to use that two liter bottle. Meaning I would have this one to use, but then I would have like piles of stuff that had, you know what I mean? So it's like, I had to come up with all these very concrete ways to ask myself things, to be realistic, to embrace the reality of my home so that I actually made progress anyway. Oh, you know why I'm laughing because that's exactly what I have done. Oh, so many times. <laughs> it's, it's the creative brain, right? That's a wonderful right. quality that we have. Like, I am so mm -hmm. thankful God made me this way. Like I'm mm -hmm. so thankful for my creative brain, but I have no, I'm, that's not really a, but, and mm -hmm. I have re realized from doing what I do online, that those of us who struggle with these thought processes, who struggle with our house being out of control because of these thought processes, we are generally very creative people. Mm -hmm. So this mm -hmm. is how we think. And, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about this stuff who would be like, why are you keeping that? Like, <laughs> what, what? Hello. Like, it's just the most obvious thing in the world that you'll just serve right. beer at lunch, you know? And instead I'm like, oh no, I'm going to be prepared and frugal mm. and creative. And so I'm going to have everything I might need for any situation, you know, even if it's trash. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, That is so good. And you know, really what you said there that just was like, like the mind blowing, um, moment for me was when you suggested that if we have all these things that we're keeping for the experiment or the craft that we're going to be doing, it can take as much, if not more time to, to go around our house and find where it was that we put this right. thing, especially if we have mountains of these kinds of things, then it could take to go to the store and buy a bottle of root beer to have at lunch. So that I think was really uh, a point worth remembering when you're tempted to have all these right. things that don't fit into the container. So, 
Well, oh, and let's talk about the value. I mean, let's talk about the yeah. actual, cause that's an issue too, is a lot of people right. like me are super frugal. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it, it's that, oh, but, but I could already have this and not have to go spend the gas money and blah, blah, but it's like buying a bottle of, you know, a two liter is, I don't know. I don't really buy them anymore, but I, yeah. I'm guessing a dollar 50, maybe $2 mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. at the most. I remember right. when they were 99 cents, but like yes. $2. And then I realized, Oh, okay. For me to have this space and that my home be under control and not overrun with all this kind of stuff, that's worth $2 to me. It's worth it to me to have that. Even if I have to go and spend $2 and get another two liter bottle or your neighbor probably has one. And you know, I mean, really, right, right, yeah. right. Excellent. That's another fantastic reminder. So Dana, I saved the worst topic for last <laughs> and that is books. Yeah. I know everyone who has books loves them, but there's a certain kind of passion <laughs> that homeschoolers yes. have for books. Um, and so I, I hope you're not suggesting that we wouldn't just keep buying bookshelves and moving to bigger homes, um, you know, to limit our collection of books. You can't possibly be suggesting that, right? I mean, I, I don't suggest, I, all I do is explain reality, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, and here's the thing, but books as a category is valuable and is important, which then makes us think. I can't possibly get rid of any of them. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you look at this space in my home, like I see behind you, you have a beautiful bookshelf. Okay. So I have a bookshelf and this bookshelf is a limit. I'm sorry. It is. Okay. Now, one thing I want to say with the container concept, what really hit me as very life-changing for me was when I realized that my family deserves space in the container first, right? Okay. So my whole house is a container. It's a limit. My family deserves space first. And so if I am keeping things, even really good things that make it harder for them to live their life and do what they need to do within our home, then I can't do that. You know, I mean, like that's, that's defeating the purpose of what I'm trying to do in this home. So your bookshelf is the limit, but when you let the bookshelf be the limit, okay. The existing ones that you have, it, it just shifts something in your brain. When you say, okay, this is the limit. This is the space that I have. What deserves space here first. And when you put your favorite ones in first, or when you keep pulling out your least favorite in order to make it actually fit neatly in there, it just it just shifts something in your brain and makes you go, Oh, wait, this book is something we've totally outgrown, you know, like I'm ready to, to pass this on or, Oh, look, you know what, this book right here, I actually could not stand reading that to my children. You know what I mean? Cause we all have books that we actually didn't like. I mean, I know it feels like yes. you can't say that, but, um, or, you know, and the first part of the fifth step of my process, which is, you know, make it fit. You embrace the container, embrace the space that you have is to consolidate. And that means put like things together, you know, put your, and when you do that, my guess, especially as for, for those of you who have been gathering, gathering, gathering books, especially when they're on sale, garage sales, whatever, as you've been gathering those books, 
especially if your house was not under control and you didn't really have a great understanding of what you had, you've probably collected three and four of the same amazing book, you know? So it's like just consolidating it often will make you go, Oh, wait, I don't need, I mean, I may not go down to one, but you know, maybe I could go down yeah. to two. going through that. And I, I just hear it from people all the time, specifically homeschoolers. Somebody in my Patreon group the other day was saying, she was like, she goes, I never thought I could do I could actually get rid of books, you know, she said, mm. but I've just embraced the container concept and she had just moved and they kind of moved, um, slowly. And she goes, and my husband reminded me that there were actually two bookshelves in a closet that we hadn't moved over yet. And I realized I didn't even need them. And she was like, I can't wow. believe it. And it was without angst. I think that's yes. the thing is mm-hmm. letting the container make the decision is like, okay, I'm not just looking at it as a category of books. I'm saying, which books are my favorite? And when you Mm -hmm. say that it naturally reveals the ones that you're like, oh, actually I don't even like this book. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm willing to get rid of that. I'm willing to donate it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing that I can say as a veteran homeschooling mom, that I have had a lot of anxiety about needing curriculum books in particular later down the road or, or maybe for my grandchildren, which is really gets out of control. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have grandchildren. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Not yet. But one of the things that I tell myself to calm the anxiety is that uh, there are homeschool lending libraries. We have a fantastic one here in town where if I wanted to get that curriculum again, after I sold it or donated it, I could borrow it. I could buy it again. You know, you can buy used curriculum inexpensively. Um, You can find some things at the library, at the regular library, and you can even get things in digital format so that you aren't taking up all that space on your bookshelves. And so, you know, those are some things to remind yourself of as you are looking at your curriculum shelves and what can fit there. And another thing I want to say is like, you just, you just narrowed in on the one thing that makes you the most nervous, right? Mm-hmm. So like you have a lot of books, but it's curriculum books that mm-hmm. are the real one. Cause those are really expensive, right? You know, mm-hmm. they so, can be. Yes. Yeah, so it's like the curriculum books. Those are the ones. And here's what I find so much with myself and with people that I help is when we start thinking about decluttering, our brain immediately goes to those really difficult decisions, right? Like that's the thing. That's the thing that wakes me up in the middle of the night and makes me go, okay, I don't have any kids that age anymore. What about grandkids? What about this? What if I got rid of you? Instead start with the easy stuff, like start Mm -hmm. because so many times when we focus on that one category of item that really is overwhelming to us, it feels like everything is overwhelming. When in reality, you're going to make a lot of progress just saying, well, what in here is needs to go. And it's like, I'm not even going to worry about those yet. And often you'll find that you'll create the space in your home Mm. where you're like, okay, now I can actually keep those things. They have a place and they're not taking up room that I don't need, but it's like, when, as long as I was thinking of that first, everything felt overwhelming and I didn't do anything. Or once you start to embrace that with the easy stuff, the stuff that isn't emotional to you, that doesn't make you nervous to get rid of, then you realize, oh, wow, 
it is so much easier to manage my home. It is so much easier to manage my homeschool. It's so much mannered, easier to manage, you know, just in general, I like my house better with less stuff in it. And then by the time you get to that, after you've done so made so much progress, then you're like, oh, I don't have quite as much of an attachment to these things as I thought I did, because now I'm really putting value and priority on my, my house being easier to handle. Mm -hmm. So good. That's, and that's the ultimate goal, man. That's why right. we, right. why we start the process in the first place. Well, this is so fantastic. I mean, you have given us incredible value just in this short period of time, but I encourage everyone to continue learning from Dana, just like I am. I'm listening to your book on audio. I am subscribed to your YouTube channel. I haven't been listening to your podcast. Is it called A Slob Comes Clean as well? It is, yes. Okay, is. fantastic. So look that up and I will have a link to that in the show notes. But you said you have a new book. Can you tell us about that? So I have a new book. It's called Organizing for the Rest of Us. Um, and it is a gift book. So anyway, kind of a long story. The publisher, it was their idea to do this book. So I have two other books, How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, which really focuses in on the habits and the daily stuff. And then Decluttering at the Speed of Life, which digs deep into decluttering. Organizing for the rest of us is tips. Where those books are like 60,000 words, all the thoughts you could possibly need to hear on those subjects. This is like, quick. It's flip throughable. It has pictures. It's just a different style of book with a lot of the same basic, you know, like I have my five-step decluttering process in there. I talk about the four basic daily habits that change your home, you know, that kind of stuff, but it's, and then it also has like bathroom cleaning and laundry and stuff like that, you know, but little tips in it. Um, so it's really just more of a different format than a different, um, like all new stuff, because I, I mean, that's where I, that's where I tell people, I'm like, I, I'm not going to make stuff up. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to be like, let me make up. So, okay. You know what? Um, actually you need to do And I'm like, no, I'm just going to tell you what actually really truly matters. So anyway, there you go. <laughs> I, I love it. And you know, that's what, that's what we need, you know, just like the container concept, <laughs> life-changing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It was um, and is. I continue to apply it in my life, and I hope that my listeners are going to do the very same thing. I just cannot thank you enough. It has been an absolute joy talking with you today. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been really fun. To find links to Dana's books and social media, go to homeschoolsanity.com slash decluttering. I can't wait to hear how you get on with using the container concept. Have a happy homeschool week. Thank you for joining me. Happy, healthy homeschooling can be yours. It begins with one small step. Let's continue the conversation on social media. I'm at Psycho with Six. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.